So before I share, I wanted to put out two disclaimers. While I was preparing, I was really getting convicted, felt I was not eligible or um, fit to share this. So um, just to put out there, just because I'm here giving the sermon doesn't mean I'm expert at it. I'm really working uh, in my spiritual walk, uh, guided by the Holy Spirit every day. And the second thing is, uh, uh, it's applicable to everybody, more so to me. Uh, and uh, hopefully, like Samer shared, it will disturb some of us, that the Holy Spirit would work in each one of us and speak to us. So with this uh, heavy heart, I asked my relatives to pray for me yesterday. We have this family Zoom call every Saturday morning, and uh, I shared that I was going to preach today, and I needed prayer. And one of my funny aunts said, uh, we'll pray for you for sure, but uh, I think we need to pray more for the church that is going to be sitting. <laughs> so, you know, that reminded me why Jesus said uh, a prophet is honored everywhere except for his own hometown. And, among his relatives, so, uh, but they really love me, yeah, you know, they really do. Uh, I have to say this because uh, they're probably going to watch this video, <laughs> so, um, anyway, so the, the passage, or the topic, uh, the title I've chosen is, Why Do You Seek the Living Among the Dead? I don't have to give you the context because we just looked at it, Pastor Jeremy shared on the Resurrection Sunday uh, and he touched upon this passage where the women wake up early in the morning, come to the tomb where Jesus' body was laid to embalm, expecting the body was still there. And the angel reminds them what Jesus already told them, that he was going to be uh, persecuted, he will be killed on the cross, and he will raise again. And then the question the angel, the angel asked the woman is, why do you see the living among the dead? And I, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking that question is still applicable to us in this present time. See, a lot of people who still know the gospel, who have already known Christ, still sometimes go into the world, into things that are dead, to seek the meaning or purpose in life sometimes. And that question is still applicable to us now. So we're going to look into it at a deeper level. Um, just wanted to give like a, uh, a foundation. When God created Adam uh, out of the dust, in, Gen in Genesis second chapter, it talks about how he breathed the, into the nostrils of the man after he created out of dust the breath of life, and the man became a living being. It was a new creation. It was a new life that God created out of dust and breathed into him. But then once Adam and Eve disobeyed the command that God gave them and ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they incurred death. They incurred spiritual death. That was separation from God. And uh, the peace that they had between God and man was broken. And that's how sin entered the world. That's how sin nature started to rule in the bodies of men. And that was the situation that uh, we see in Romans 6.23 where it says the wages of sin is death. That is the wage of sin is that we incur death, spiritual death. 
But the second half of the same verse talks about how the gift of God is eternal life. So when Jesus died on the cross, took up all our sin, he paid the penalty for all our sin, he gave us a new chance, he bridged the gap, and he gave us eternal life. It was as if um, God breathed into us, just like he did in Adam's case. He breathed into us Holy Spirit, who resuscitated our dead spirits. He revived us, and that's why we are new creation. If we read 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So we were created, and then we were dead, and we are created once again. We were resuscitated when Jesus was put on the cross. Once Holy Spirit comes into our life, he starts a deep cleansing process, right? He, he inherited a fixer-upper. He comes in, and if we allow him, he would clean up all the old, messy stuff, puts it all out. And he does this fantastic renovation job. On the cross, it was not just Christ who was nailed. It was our old identity, our old sinful, worldly, carnal self. The self that was ruled by the flesh and fleshly desires. That was all put on the cross. And uh, that's what uh, the baptism signifies. Uh, in Romans 6, 4, it says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. So baptism, when we go into the water, signifies our death and burial. And when we come back up, is resurrection into newness of life, into new life, along with Christ himself. That's what it symbolizes. So the question is, once again, us Christians who have experienced this renewal spirit, a new life, who have partaken in this regeneration, who are called children of God, who are part of the family of God, why do we sometimes go back to the world, come back to the carnal, deadly stuff to seek for life? So we're studying in our Indian fellowship on Friday Bible studies. We're going through Revelation. We're doing worst-by-worst study. It's been a year. We still read 16 chapter. Before that, we did Romans for two years, the whole book of Romans. So hopefully we'll finish Revelation before the Lord comes. So, so, but in that, I'll be reading how in, in the right time when things will get worse, you think COVID is bad, it's going to get worse. I'm sorry, it's a spoiler alert. Uh, but the sin, the moral decay in, in the culture we see in the society, it's going to get worse. And it's sad. But God has given us a blessed hope that he will do away with all this sin, all this fleshly, carnal worldliness with Satan and all his followers. He's going to punish them eternally. And he will create a new heaven and new earth where there's no sickness, no suffering, no pain. And we will be in there in community, in communion with the Lord himself. So that's what we're looking forward. So in this interim time, we should not be looking at these things that are going to perish. 
And uh, the same question, why are you seeking the living among dead, is somewhat asked by Paul to the church of Colossae in Colossians' third chapter, if we turn there. I'm sorry, I don't have PowerPoint slides to share the scriptures, and I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures. Um, but uh, I didn't have time to put together that. Um, hopefully, my, my points, I can put them powerfully without that. But uh, Colossians 3, third chapter, we'll go from verses 1 to, we'll see, till 15 maybe. So first uh, four verses, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are about, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also will appear with him in glory. This is what we were talking about. That we who have been dead, our fleshly uh, desires, our carnal nature has been put to death, and we have been resurrected with Christ. We need to put our minds set on the things about, not on things down here. When we compare our earthly life in this flesh, it is it's very small. It's like a drop in this ocean. But we tend to be all about this little drop. We try to make everything comfortable, luxurious. We try to uh, take care of it more than uh, what we think about eternal things. And Paul is saying we should do the opposite. Our earthly life is small compared to what we have in eternity. We should remember we are spirit beings who possess these bodies on a temporary basis. It's not the opposite. It's not us, a body, having a spirit. It's actually the opposite. And we need to invest not just material things, but our mind should be on the eternal things, on heavenly things. Like Jesus says in Matthew, uh, sixth chapter, you all know these verses. A lot of these verses I'm going to share is pretty much known to everybody. It's very common. Uh, Matthew's gospel, sixth chapter, 19 to 21. By the way, I love the sound of pages being turned in church. <laughs> it's beautiful. Okay, Matthew's Gospel, 6, chapter 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Question is, how is your eternal bank balance looking this day? Are you investing in your spiritual life on eternal things? Are you more thinking about the possessions? I mean, it's wrong, not wrong to save up for anything, but where is your heart? If you're, if, if you're putting your trust and peace and, and satisfaction in the material things, then it is in the wrong place. Recently in the news, uh, you know, Bernie Madoff is there. He just passed away in the jail where he was serving sentence for um, conducting a financial fraud for about $65 billion. A um, lot of people put their savings, life savings, into his Ponzi scheme, and 
he cheated them. Do you think if these people knew that this, this guy would cheat them, would put their, all their savings into that account? And we already know this earthly stuff is going to perish one day. We should think twice. We should save up for our spiritual, eternal life. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So sometimes we get shaken up by things that are happening in this world. It destroys our peace. We get agitated. We get like, oh, what is going to happen? We're out of control. But do we remember that God is sitting on the throne? He's in control. We should remember that all the time, regardless of how things are, even when there's a pandemic, even when there's a political shakedown or whatever is happening in the world. Our peace should not be destroyed. When our mind is set on things about, the things on the earth will not disturb our joy. Matthew's Gospel, 11th chapter, 28th verse, is about Jesus telling, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke of this world is heavy. Life on earth is going to be heavy. It's going to get heavier. But Jesus is saying, come to me. I'll give you rest. Christian life is not easy either. Christian walk is tough. That is when you try by yourself. But when we partner with Christ, when we yield to Holy Spirit, then it becomes easy. The picture in this passage, uh, the imagery that is used is an ox cart. I don't know if you've seen ever, but in India growing up, I've seen in villages where uh, a bullock cart or an ox cart is pulled by two oxes. There's a, a crossbar, a yoke that is put on them, and then a beam that connects to the cart. And whenever there's a young, immature ox that needs to be trained who's wild, they pair it up with an old mature, trained ox. And whenever the, the new ox is trying to speed up or get crazy, this old ox patiently slows it down and teaches how to carry the yoke and walk. In this image, the mature, old, seasoned, trained ox is Jesus. He's already run the race successfully on this earth. And he's our role model that we can partner with we are the immature ox that needs training. We're wild. That we need to partner up with Christ. Come under his yoke. Get trained. And that's, why, that's how we will learn how to walk this crazy walk in this earth. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And we have to run the race looking unto him. This reminds me of a story that I heard growing up. This uh, in, in a village, this old lady was carrying a huge basket full of vegetables. It's, it used to be common in now uh, for these people in farm who grow this produce, carry them on their heads and walk miles and miles to neighboring towns to sell them. 
and neighboring towns. So this old lady was carrying this huge basket on her head and walking along the road. And uh, a guy who was driving a truck passes by and feels sorry for her. And he stops and gives her a ride. This uh, lady uh, gets into the truck, in the back of the truck, and sits. But she never removes this basket from the top of her head. And this guy says, lady, you can actually put it down. You don't have to carry it anymore. And the simple old lady said, I feel really bad for you. You're already carrying me. I don't want to add this extra burden on you. <laughs> and so often we do the same thing. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Put your heavy burden at my feet. I'll give you true rest. I would like to say, if you're carrying any burdens in your life today, come to Jesus. Come to the cross. You'll find true rest in him alone, not in any of the other things in the world. When we trust in the world, all we get is dejection, dis disappointment, discouragement. Uh, at cross, we find rest. And Jesus is calling each one of us. Uh, let's go back to Colossians' third chapter, next few verses. I didn't notice when I started, uh, so I don't know when I'm going to end. So let's just play it by the ear. Um, when I hear Joe playing music, I'll know when I should leave the stage. Um, so fifth chapter and to seventh verse. Uh, fifth, I'm sorry. Third chapter, fifth to seventh. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. This is talking about our past personal carnal sinfulness. All these things that we were enslaved to before, but by Jesus' death on the cross and taking up our sins, he has given us freedom from the control of this sin. It's not completely removed. The sin nature is still there, but he has taken away the control that it had on us. We just need to yield to the Holy Spirit and work on it. Uh, yielding to the Holy Spirit. Let him cleanse us and convict us. Hope Harris, uh, a former lesbian activist who became a Christian, shared this in her testimony that she still has homosexual desires for other women, but she lives in surrender of her desire to follow God's word, which is the absolute truth every day. That's what we need to do. We need to yield every day. Our spiritual walk should be a daily surrender to God, completely yielding to Holy Spirit. Luke 9, chapter 23, Jesus says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We need to take up the cross daily. Cross signifies death. Death is where we put to death our fleshly desires, where we need to yield every day, surrendering our daily uh, desires or sin, sinful temptation. Let's move on to the next few verses, 8 to 11. 
But now you yourself are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Here is another list of sinful characteristics we had in our past fleshly life. The previous sins were pertaining to personal private sins, and this list is about how we are with social relationships, how we are interacting with others, and with the anger, wrath, and blasphemy, and uh, the lies and everything. Nowadays, in the, with the modern technology, it's not always about how we speak to others in the angry tone and stuff. It's also about how we use our fingers and posting things on social media and Facebook or uh, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. How are we interacting with others? How are we posting things? Are they coming across, uh, showing the characters of Christ? Or is it showing our old self, uh, full of malice and anger and, and lies? We have to be careful. <coughs> and uh, when we receive Christ, Holy Spirit comes into, into us and dwells, and he's evicting this old man, making a mess in our spiritual life. He kicks him out, but he's not always completely out. Sometimes he tries to sneak in. The new man is being led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, but the old man was led by the flesh. But every now and then when the new man is weak, when it's not fed by the word of God, by prayer, by fellowship, he's weak. And the old man tries to come in and tries to take control. And we need to be careful. We need to be on guard. We need to be nourished daily, yielding to the Holy Spirit. And in the 11th verse, it says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarians, Scythians, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Here Paul is addressing the prejudices that were there at that time between Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. There was always this commotion, uh, disturbance. And Paul is addressing that, that we all have sinned and we all fell short of glory, uh, grace of God. And uh, we've seen that in Romans. But here he's saying that we're all equal in front of God's eyes. By his grace, we have been saved. He's reminding that regardless of what background, what race, what nationality, is Greek or Jew or Gentile or barbarian, whatever it is that you come from, we all need our salvation from Christ alone. God doesn't see our superficial appearance of skin or color or whatever. He looks at our heart. And we may not be blood relatives by flesh, but we share the same salvation that was achieved by the cleansing blood of Christ. And that we are blood relatives. And we are equal in the sight of God. There's no distinction. That's why Christ is all we need. 
not Christ and whatever philosophy, not Christ plus Dalai Lama or some other person or Oprah Winfrey, not Christ plus whatever things you want to add to, not good works or righteousness. It's Christ alone. Christ is all and Christ in all. Let's uh, look at the next verses. Uh, I've shared from this passage the last time I spoke in uh, August uh, when I was talking about mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, as you also must do. So this list of characteristics is completely opposite to the old fleshly sinfulness that we saw in the previous verses. This is the new man. This is the new characteristics we need to show in our life. This is when our self is getting transformed into the image of Christ. So these are actually the characteristics of Christ himself. And this is similar to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5th chapter, 20th verse. You'll, if you compare, there are similar characteristics. It is a single fruit, but different flavors, different attributes of the single fruit. So whoever is saved, whenever there's a light lit in a life of gospel, uh, with gospel, we need to start showing this fruit. Uh, people should see that change. A person who was full of anger and wrath, wow, there is tender kindness now. He's so merciful. He's so warm. He's so loving. That's what they need to see. We need to bloom flowers like Samer shared earlier. We need to show in our spiritual life. Question is, how is your spiritual yard today? Is it blooming with fruit, flowers? Or is it looking like our yard? My yard, uh, if you go by our street, uh, everybody, all our neighbors' yards are immaculate, green, blooming. But if you come to our yard, you'll know that there's a drought in California. <laughs> you, you'll realize it right away. The lawn is getting brown. The, the flower bushes are minus the flowers. It's just bushes. <laughs> so how is our spiritual yard today? Are we bearing fruit? We need to forgive others and show mercy. We need to be gracious in our demeanor, in our interactions. Even when people are doing wrong, how do we come across? As Christ did? Remember how he interacted with Christians or uh, sinners? <laughs> with sinners, uh, he was very tender, he was very warm, he was forgiving. His demeanor didn't change. His graciousness didn't change from throne in heaven to being killed on the cross. He was still the same. The circumstances didn't change his demeanor. He was equally gracious. He was equally forgiving. Even on the cross, he was forgiving those who were persecuting him and, and ill-treating him and despising him. How is our demeanor when things are not going our way? Are we coming across patiently uh, when politics are not going our way? Uh, these days it's so divisive, it's so destructing 
Um, even in families, because of politics, uh, outside, uh, what is happening in elections, the families are breaking, the churches are dividing. It's so sad. When Jesus was praying in Garden of Gethsemane in John's Gospel, he was praying for the unity of all the believers. John 17, 20 and 21. I do not pray for these alone, these as in the disciples. He already prayed for them, and now he's praying for all the believers. But also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may, be, uh, may believe that you sent me. So when the world sees our unity, they will believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. When they don't see that, then they won't receive the gospel either that we will try to share with them. It's how we are in our church, in our Christian homes, that will help people to understand and receive the gospel. We need to hold on to our unity. We need to be one as the body of Christ. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in our hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This is when, when we praise God, when we worship in this setting together as a, as a church, body of Christ, is where we can taste a bit of heaven. God instituted two institutions on this earth. One is a Christian church. The other is a Christian family. This is where you can taste a bit of heaven. When we come in oneness in spirit, when the Holy Spirit is leading us, when we worship the Lord, when we study and dwell in the Word of God, when we are constantly teaching the true uh, gospel and the truth from the Word of God. And whatever you do in the Word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Everything we, need, uh, we do, we need to do in the name of Jesus. All the good things that uh, we might do, unless we put it on a platter of gospel, unless we share in the name of God, it has no meaning. A lot of churches nowadays are really deep into social gospel, where they just want to take care of social aspects of earthly life. It's great, but if you are not sharing the gospel with it, if you're not giving the cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, then what good is that? And Satan is always trying to destroy this unity and this uh, uh, oneness in church and family. In John's Gospel 10, 10, 10 chapter, 10th verse, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. The thief, Satan, is always there to trying to destroy. He wants to steal our joy, kill our faith, and destroy our fellowship. We need to be careful. But Jesus, on the other hand, who's our good shepherd, 
says, I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus is giver of life, abundant life. We can experience that abundant life on this earth when we yield to him, when we don't put our minds on this earthly stuff, but put our minds on heavenly things. We need to refocus our spiritual eyesight today. And uh, if there's anybody who hasn't come to the cross, who hasn't found that peace, who hasn't had received that assurance of eternity with our Savior, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus is saying, come to me. I'll give you a true rest. Let's close in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your agape love. Even when I was a sinner and I was enemy to you, you loved me, gave your life for my salvation, for our salvation, for each one of us here. And you're patiently waiting for each one of us people who haven't already received to come to you, Lord, to cross, to give us rest. Um, Lord, we pray that everybody would receive your gospel, Lord, receive you. And those who have received, Lord, we pray that we would be steadfast in our walk, yielding daily to your Holy Spirit. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.